0: Currently in New Mexico, depending on the time, getting ready to preach himself. And uh, he had a great time at a youth conference. Well, first off, you know, we have a team that's still in Haiti making their way back today. And, and Darren was down with those folks for the crusade uh, on the third anniversary of the earthquake, I'm guessing. Um, so they do a crea- crusade every year. What a way to shake the ground again in a good way. But to have a crusade that runs through the streets of Jacmel, Haiti. And they were a part of that. And I know that Sarah got a chance to, uh, to Sarah Ross got a chance to get up and lead some worship. And uh, we also had some of our conduit collective folks, Mike from uh, Pennsylvania, he's up in Mechanicsburg and his crew there. Uh, he went to represent them. We had Thomas Brown from Pensacola um, down, uh, up, uh, he went down to Haiti too. And uh, they got to teach and lead some of the uh, some of the stuff going on with some of the young leaders down there. They got to spend some time with them, coaching and loving on them and serving them well. And uh, I know I'm forgetting somebody. Another person joined them from I think Kansas. We're gonna say Kansas even if it's not Kansas because. <laughs> They were down there and they were part of the fellowship, so um, just pray for them as they make their way back, and Darren has to apparently eat beef brisket, jump in a van, and drive back to somewhere in Texas, I think Midland, and jump on a plane today, uh, so just be praying for them as they do that um, on a Haitian stomach. Beef brisket may not sit well, but that's okay. He was looking forward to it. So um, Darren asked me to uh, jump in, and you notice you came in today and there weren't tables sitting around, so we're not doing that again. At least not this time. We did that last time. Some of you were here for that. And um, today I, I've, been, uh, I've been part of this thing called the Porterbrook Network. And it's basically seminary uh, like they do it in England. And, um, you know, en- anything English is cool. So Americans have stolen that. And, and I'm in a group of about 30 guys that meet once a month. And uh, we delve into the finer things of theology Um, have some incredible speakers, and then each week I get to sit down with a cohort, which is a cool name for a group of five guys that sit together and go through a workbook. And we've been studying and dealing with theology. We're right in the middle of a section on theology. Um, And uh, I told Darren the other day, I said, "Um, I think I'm supposed to speak about the Trinity? And he just was like, sure. Go ahead. So I want to do that. I'm going to talk to you guys about the Trinity. We're going to look at it from a perspective of what is this relationship between this one God who is three persons but is one God. And we're going to talk about that today. uh, But we're also going to talk about what that means for us and what relationships um, mean. If, If that is our model, what does our relationships mean? So about four hours on the clock to go. I know, uh, I know the Chessers have to get out because the Lord has to go to work, but other than that, the rest of you, I didn't get any emails from you, so you're staying here and we're locked in. Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. I was kidding about that for you guys that are visiting. If I spoke that long, you could shoot me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he, God, predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So there's the father, here's the role of the son, to the praise of his glorious grace. This relationship is to the praise of who he is as God and the grace that he's given us, with which he has blessed us In the Beloved, this is the Godhead. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, our sins, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the, f- for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, to restore all things to who he is, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you were also... In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with a promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee, the deposit of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. That is one whole sentence in Greek. Um, so anybody uh, that didn't do so well in grammar, grammar in seventh grade, um, I, that's a run-on sentence, and I can identify that. But it is the whole of who we are. It is everything in one sentence. It is the gospel. It is who God is. It is who Jesus is. It is who the Holy Spirit is. And it is for us to understand that He, the Godhead, loves us completely, eternally, and faithfully. So what does that mean that's a lot of scripture to read and take in but what does it mean why should we like when I read that my when I sat down to read that this week two things happened I felt like um, I'm missing something and then I felt like maybe Maybe this should cause a reaction in me. Maybe this should cause me to worship more fully. Maybe this should cause, uh, this, this, uh, this should demand activity. And that's my human response. That's not what God wants. He just wants us to take it in. He, he said this so it would bless us. Paul says this about God, about the Godhead to bless us. Let's celebrate this Ephesians and you folks who live in Thompson Station and around about. So how do we celebrate this amazing display of the Trinity? What should our response be? Shout it out if you want. I don't care. Let's get crazy today. Do something a little different. Okay, some of you are choosing silence. That would be a response, yes. But what would be another response? What? Awe. Ah, the fear of God. There it is. Ah, what else? Excitement, good. What else? Joy. Joy, hey, there it is. Was that Sue? Yeah. Of course it was. Mouthpiece of Jesus. <laughs> it should be joy, and our joy should be full because we understand who we are in light of our creator, that we are this image bearer, that he has put inside of us all these things. Just to say, I love you. Can, can you hear that for a minute? Can you hear God as the Father? Can you hear God as the Son? Can you hear God as the Holy Spirit? Just shout at you, I love you. So no matter what is going on in your world, can you hear him say to you, I love you? And can it settle on you? Can you be loved? Just receive it for a second. I personally have a problem receiving. Uh, it, is, it is something I've probably struggled with all my life. I uh, saw a counselor about it a couple years back. She said it's because of the, your family dynamics, and she drew this cool picture, and it had an egg in it and all this other stuff, and it was amazing. And I, uh, it even was, She even colored it with colored pencils, and it was great. And it helped me understand one thing. It doesn't matter who I have become by the things that I've done, before all of that, I am loved. So let this be an invitation to fellowship for you. Let it be an invitation that comes up to you and settles on you from the perspective of love that maybe you've never felt before. Let it be something that um, maybe you've wanted to hear from somebody before and you haven't, and that bummed you out. But that, port, that person is nowhere near God. Nowhere near do they love you like God does. Like, Davey, God loves you. Like, no matter what's happened. Lately, or even before that, or what happens tomorrow, God loves you. And he loves you fully, and he loves you as a father, and he loves you as a son, and he loves you as a Holy Spirit. So he's committed to you forever, and he was before you were. He loves you. So this Trinity, God the Father, God uh, Jesus the Son, the Spirit... God is in love. God is love. He foreknew. He is the author. This is what the passage says. Jesus, he breaks into history. He leads in love. It's by his blood we're cleansed. He dies for our sin, (laughs) raises to conquer death, and then extends grace beyond grace because you don't deserve it either, but he loves you that much. And the Spirit... The Spirit's work that continues forth was there as Jesus walked the earth as a guide in the desert. The Spirit was the one who empowered Jesus to continue in the fast. And then the Spirit is given to us. Jesus says, for you, this Spirit is for you, and I'm leaving it for you. All of this is fellowship, and this is not a word. I, I said this before in this uh, group, but this is not a word that is the uh, covered dish dinner after church in a building called a fellowship hall that we that we um, that we hang out, uh, picnic on the grounds, however you called it. Growing up, we we always had the uh, fellowship hall meal, covered dish dinner type. Um, it's more. It is that because that's good. That's fe- that's that's us gathering together. But it's more than that. So let's take a look at it. Fellowship. This word in the Greek. Koinonia. We hear about it in Acts 2.42. This is what I preached on the last time. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread and pear, and then fellowship. What is that? Koinonia. Two root words. Koinos, metakos. And I may not be pronouncing that right, but we're keeping, we're going. We're still, we're still moving. Koinos. Share together to take part. Partnership. Share with. Giving to others. Metacost, sharing, partaking of, to have together, a partnership. And there are four things we can learn from the model of the Trinity that is for us uh, to continue on. This is the way we do this fellowship. This is the model. The Trinity is in fellowship. They're in relationship. They are a partnership. They are forever. They have been, and they will be, and they continue. And it is a model of how we are to interact as the body of Christ. Because we, by the way, are part of that. Sons and daughters adopted. Remember the verse Ephesians 3? We are adopted into that family. Like you, Davy, are loved. Because you're, you're his boy. Jesus, your brother, the Holy Spirit, your guide. It's all available for you. Davy will punch me later, but that'll be okay. So there's these four things. The first is relationship. I would say it's what is shared in, based out of common relationship in Christ. Writings of John and Paul show us the spiritual significance and the and the base for this. 1 John 1, 1 through 3. That which, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ, and with the Spirit. John, whenever you see the author, John, write, he writes truth, and it's pretty simple. So the book of John is a very simple look at the gospel. When he, go, when he writes 1 John, it's very it's, it's pretty much laid out, and he goes back to, basically, it's a restatement of what he said in the book of John. And he just kept writing. So 1 Corinthians, Paul, let's look at it from his perspective. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We are in a deeper relationship called fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And we're called into this. So this definition of fellowship, this is the sharing together in a common life with other believers through relationship with God through Jesus guided by the Spirit. If you're taking notes, I said that too fast. We'll come back to it. Fellowship is first and foremost a relationship, what we just said, rather than activity. It is to be with others. And this principle shows us that any activity that follows, so being together... And fellowship with the Trinity and any activity to follows should come out of that relationship. We just hang together. When we hang together, it's, it's, it means more than just a hang with a buddy who doesn't know Jesus. So when you gather in our community groups, when you gather for uh, somebody's birthday recently, some ladies went out last night. Yes, I stalk you all free of Facebook. Uh, when you gather because your daughters have all come home and it's Christmas time. When you gather because you go to see family in California. When you gather because you're going to Canada spend a month there. When you gather with people, it is an extension of fellowship. It is an extension of God with you and with them in His Trinitarian perfection. And you're like, well, I've been with my family and it n- is not that. Yeah, it's a model. I told you it's a model. <clears throat> partnership. Second part. Both Koinonia and Metacoste mean to share together in partnership. As we share together in Christ, fellowships, in his fellowship, we are co-partners of the gospel going forth. So there's a story of uh, Jesus calling Peter and the boys, the disciples, and uh, they're fishing and... Um, Well, Luke 5, 7, and 10 say this. Peter and his company, or fellowship, that's what that word there is, it is koinonia, are fishing and catching nothing. Jesus advises them. He says, hey, throw it on the other side of the boat. And the catch is so much that they have to call out to the other fishermen that are part of their partnership and and come help us. So you see... Outside, This is the secular. This isn't even the spiritual yet, but you see Jesus interacting with people and telling them, hey, call on them to help you. Look at your catch. It's too much. Come gather it in. 2 Corinthians 8.23, Paul speaking of Titus, he says that he is my partner and fellow worker. Basically, Paul and Titus are koinonia, and because of that, we're doing the same work. Paul is not above or below. Paul is, and so is Titus, and they are together for the gospel. Distinction between relationship and partnership, because I know sometimes when I read it, I thought maybe these things are uh, are like. Relationship describes what we are. We are a community of people united together by our common life and blessings that we share throughout, uh, or through our relationship with Christ. That's uh, church, by the way. It's us sitting in this room and a partnership describes how we are related to each other in that relationship we are partners in an adventure and calling in which we are to work together in a common purpose to obtain common objectives for the glory of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ yeah sure let's do that but let's understand that we are that first okay you're sleeping on me I'm going to have to wake you up here so let's talk about what this looks like uh, in Philippians 127. It says this, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you, this is Paul speaking, or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. A group of us go to Haiti, and we hear News comes back via Facebook of what's going on, and we celebrate because we are in fellowship with them. Whether we are there or not at this moment, we are there. Whether or not you get a chance to go on a trip with the bashers, and we're going to talk about how you can do that later on today, but whether you get to do that or not, you are there. Whatever is about, what is, whatever the activity is around us, remember that activity is in relationship because we are together. This is that unity of the body of Christ. This is what it really looks like in our activity. I got a chance this week to go sit down uh, with, with uh, the Wadsworths and just kind of hear about, um, I actually got to see the scars, which I was kind of pumped about. But uh, David, has, has, uh, he, he has one of those cool um, superhero lines down his chest with all the dots on either side because they cracked his chest open and they reworked his heart. And if that wasn't enough, he's got Tristan, who's a jumper. <laughs> and his wife, who's right over here, Trang, is, um, and kick me later, but... If you were the wife of somebody who all of a sudden had a quintuple bypass, what would happen to you? Like we we think about David and go, <laughs> he just had that's 5 by the way, quintuple, like we have 6 kids. So I think about like he had five like that's five individual operations all at once. How long? 8 hours. Just, you know, a regular work day working on one heart. But if that was you in the other side, in the, in the spouse side, how would you feel? I would feel amazingly overwhelmed. I, I probably would cry. Um, I'd probably have a lot of questions. So when we pray, when we enter into fellowship with the Wadsworths, how do we do that? What does that look like? Yes, we can take the meals. Yes, we can serve them. Yes, we can help uh, David get to um, physical therapy so he can get back up and running. And dude is a tiger, and he's, he needs to be tamed a little bit. I'll be honest. He's ready to rock, and he's not supposed to yet. And we take care of Tristan when we need to because David is a, is a part-time stay-at-home dad and, and takes care of his boy. And that's not a burden, Folks. That's reality, that's what we're supposed to do. That's the activity of our relationship. And you have done some of that already and you will have more opportunity to do more because there's more to be done. But that was only one of the trifecta surgeries that went on. We have uh, Jeremy, the worship pastor, who has uh, the new knee piece is put in there and he went through the details of it and the pain that he's in and was, uh, was, was mad at himself today and texted me to say he was sorry he didn't make it. If I had just had knee surgery, I'd be sitting in front of the, I'd be watching the NFL today right now. I'd just be watching it. Let's just go ahead in a minute. God strike me down. I wouldn't be watching TVN. I'd be watching the NFL today, right now. And I'd be trying to figure out who's going to win today. that was only the second of the surgeries. Yeah, the Pettits had a surgery as well, and is recovering. Craig, what's the update? I didn't get a chance to talk to you. Yeah, see, she came out of surgery like a champ and then kind of hit the wall. Yeah, and uh, uh, Jeremy said, I'm going back to where, and she said, why? How are you able to get out of bed? So guys, these are things happening in our midst. And and you know what? Sometimes it's easy to go, these are the moments where we should be plugging in and we should be hanging out and we should, this activity of our relationship, this fellowship should be happening. But you know what? There's other things that are going on. There's a lady not here today, so I won't call her out. But life in and of itself, just life in and of itself right now is beyond her. And as a body of Christ, we have an opportunity to love and serve well. And so some of you might get the shoulder tap on this one. I don't know what it's going to look like because right now she's so overwhelmed that she doesn't know what it's going to look like either. She doesn't know what help she needs. But part of it when you're in it, is to just somebody come and could you pull the covers off of my head for a second? I'm buried. Could you remove some of the sand so I can sit up? So, like I said, you might you might get a little shoulder tap there. And these are the things it uh, these are the things of companionship. This is how we love one another and walk in relationship, and it's 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 bi-directional. One is vertical. We are invited into relationship through Jesus, guided by the Spirit, in step with the Spirit, which is the rhythm, and wrapped up by a God who loves completely. That's vertical. That's the companionship that we need of that the vertical relationship of our fellowship. Okay, and then there is the horizontal. It is the Sunday gathering. It is the communities that meet throughout the week. It's when we go to Haiti or Africa or wherever the wind blows. a spirit wind, wherever it takes us. And where are you called to? It's coffee with a friend. It's a birthday dinner at uh, Tito's. Told you I stalked you. Which is awesome. Like, you know what, as a pastor, let me just... Push pause on that for a second and go here. I love when people get together outside of like the confines of our structures. It's in your neighborhood saying, hey, uh, Cortland, this isn't necessarily a community, but we uh, have been praying in our neighborhood, our community that is uh, right outside our front door. Um, I don't know, do we need to be undercover? I don't don't know, but uh, no, love, love the people on your street. And if by loving them you have to gather together, okay, that's fine. It's coming up after church and saying, I need friends. Being courageous enough to say that so that we as a body of Christ can remind you that there are ways that you can connect with people that won't require you to pay anything Because the body of Christ connects. We may have the opportunity to serve together on the project. The youth are doing a Sunday serve, which means uh, they are going to gather together and lead us, adults, as youth, and just go out and serve somebody for the sake of it. In fellowship together, they're gonna go out and serve somebody. It's coming up on the 27th, I think is the Sunday, the last Sunday of the month. And if you are somebody or know somebody that needs service, unconditional service, and I've seen our youth work, by the way, uh, this is my endorsement of them. They don't kid around, they get it done. Like, there's pictures, we have these, of them on their hands and knees scrubbing floors and baseboards. So, if you know somebody or you are somebody, that's coming up. Companionship horizontally is us um, scraping gum. I know we laugh about that. It's fun. But it's also us worshiping in song. When Mo or Jeremy and the band, and they get up, and they, they practice, and they... Um, They align themselves with the Spirit in such a way that gives us an opportunity to walk in to a place that doesn't look like a sanctuary and find God in a song and reflect back to Him how we love Him. And it's communion. It's you and your family walking up to one of these stations at the end of the service and tearing off the bread and dipping it in the grape juice and uh, celebrating not only the death of Christ and the payment for your sin and the grace undeserved, but to celebrate that he rose from the dead, that the work is done and you are a part of the prize. So what's these things. And we, we do that. And you might think, well, that, no, that, that there is us vertically. Yes, and it's horizontally because we do it as a family. And lastly, it's stewardship. Fellowship of stewardship. Oh, I knew it was January. I shouldn't have come in the month of January because somebody was going to talk about money. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. How we manage what God has given or loaned to us because it's still his. So how do we partner with Jesus on what has been given to us? First off, the gospel. How do we steward the gospel, the good news? How do we give to those in need? Benevolence. How does that take place? And we have some needs right now, by the way. And lastly, how do we bring glory to God in our stewardship? How do we balance the blessing and burden of life? So when you hear that so-and-so has had this happen to them, do you guys remember when Donna's car decided to do somersaults with her in it? And the response of people to that, I mean, Our Facebook, just scroll all the way back through it. Just go to the Facebook page, scroll all the way back through it, and you know what's cool, what you're going to see more than anything? Yes, you're going to see the occasional bookcase for sale and stuff like that, but you know what you're going to see most often? What? Yes, prayer needed and prayer happening because we are in fellowship with one another and are going to go before God for our brother and sister and pray for them. It's the balance of our privileges and our responsibilities as sons and daughters of God. The balance of our assets and our liabilities. I know this is sounding economical and Tony Simpson is jumping up and down. But it's also the balance of our gifts and our callings. And what are we doing with what God has given us? And what does it mean to give As fellowship, most prominent use of the word fellowship in the New Testament has to do with how believers meet the needs of those around them. 2 Corinthians 8, 12 through 15. That your abundance would supply their need. This is uh, Paul speaking. So so that their abundance, so yeah, that's what we hear about usually, that our abundance would supply their need. But Paul says, he takes it to the other side so that their abundance should supply your need, the balance. And by the way, because this this verse is used, I've seen it used so often to uh, stand behind socialism. This is not socialism, because God is not contained by our political structures and words. This is us in fellowship with one another. So I don't care if you're right, left, blue, or red, whatever. You can be a part of this because this is fellowship. Us entering God's economy and being part of the balance when he nudges you. Uh, We got a Christmas gift from the Wobblers here, and uh, I was... um, I was amazed. It is popcorn maker. Like it was a good one. It was like it sits on the stove. You crank it. It's fun. It's activity for. They know we have six kids, and and our Sarah uh, kind of took it over and created a movie night. She bought. It was amazing. But that was a gift to to our family that blessed us. We can do that in return, can't we? We can bless. Yeah, yeah, we can. So how does all this refer back to the Trinity? I'm going to go back to 2 Corinthians 13 and 14. This is I know I'm jumping around. Sorry. I'm just that's why I'm reading them because that way you don't have to turn, but there's a lot. The grace this is Paul. He's, he's written a letter to the Corinthians. He's encouraged them. He, this is the second letter. The first one was like, hey, uh, you might want to tweak this and do this and celebrate this person and hang out with these people some more and don't forget who God is and all of this. And then the second letter, he comes back and he says, hey, guys, congratulations. Not in like a, hey, I'm lifting you up and you should be prideful, but the gospel is going forth because of you because of what you're doing, and he closes it by taking it all, the cool little bow on the end, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, he's given them instruction about what all that means, but the last sentence is this. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The grace of Jesus Christ, our salvation, secure, bought, paid for. He rose from the dead. He conquered death. It's over. The love of God. We are his child, and he loves us completely, Davy. God loves you. The fellowship of the Spirit. For relationship and partnership, this advocate, some guidance provided, he's a helper, he's an ally, he's a supporter. He's also a convictor, yes, but that is to keep us in line and in step with who God is. And this is the Trinity, it's our foundation and example of relationship and fellowship. The fellowship of God, this Trinity, eternally exists as three persons. You can throw it up, go ahead. I got a. I stole a graphic from somebody. Well, that's just the top part. But I. That's the part I gave him. God eternally exists as three persons: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And each person is fully God. And there is one God. And each of the persons of the Godhead is distinct in their primary function in relating to the world through creation and redemption. The Trinity. Go to the second one. So there's, this is part of this class I'm in, and and there's this thing about the three-leaf clover, and I should have showed you that one because it's a bad example, but I didn't, so deal with me. But It was such a bad example, I didn't want to put it up there, but this is a good example. This is what the Trinity, like if we had to draw the Trinity, for those of you over here that might be able to see it, it's a triangle, Father, Spirit, Son, And it says, the Son is God, the Spirit is God, the Father is God. The Father is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father. And that works both ways. And then there's the functions, that's kind of what I went over. And you can pull that down. But let me put it to you this way, the Father plans, He is the author. The Son executes, He's the perfecter of our faith. And the spirit is the application. It is the continual, continual guidance of who we are and what we do, and if we should and if we shouldn't. And if you think it's Jiminy Cricket, it is not. It is not Jiminy Cricket. Karis asked me on the way today about Jiminy Cricket, and it just made me laugh. I don't. She hasn't not. I don't think she's ever watched Pinocchio. I don't know where she got it from. Probably that darn YouTube. But. The Spirit is this application. The Spirit is this thing. I know, I, I feel like we as Christians don't get it. Um, maybe we don't understand it. Uh, but here's where I think we'd find our greatest understanding of the Spirit. I think we will understand the Spirit best when we are together. When we are together on mission, when we are together in fellowship, when we are together, when we're eating dinner after we're done here, I think you will understand the Spirit more. I think it's the thing that makes us go on the way home, honey, that was that was fun. We had a good time. And I don't think the Spirit is something that we're supposed to like dig into and totally understand, and Darren may totally uh, hit me for this, but that's okay. Um... But I think the Spirit is this, is, is, uh, well, it's, Jesus says the Spirit is the Comforter. So it is the peace that falls on us. So, um, Trang, you need the Spirit. And I know you know who God is. I know you understand Him as Father. I know you understand Him as Son. But can we help you understand the Spirit more? You have been vulnerable to to me in that. And I'm shining a light your way this morning in such a way because I know what anxiety does and the darkness it creates. Because I've been there. And if it wasn't for others pulling me along and shining light into my life, then I wouldn't have an idea of who the Spirit is. So, uh, family. This is not, there's not, like I couldn't have prayed for a better example of how we can interact as a body for her sister and what her family is going through. And it might be awkward, and some of you are like, I cannot believe he did that. And you'll say that over tacos later. <clears throat> but but it is how we are to love. It's how we're to walk. It's the tenderness of your heart. And it is all these four things that I mention. It is fellowship. When we reach out, And you receive, and there'll be a moment where uh, we need to receive from you. Yeah. As the band comes, finally, I'm going to read this to you because uh, to me, I was digging, trying to find, like, one more way to tell you and explain to you this Trinity, this amazing fellowship that is their model, Um, and it's in Acts. It's Acts 2.32 and 33. And Luke explains here, um, to me, it's the purpose. And Darren spoke so um, clearly to me last week. Maybe, maybe um, he spoke clearly to me about this purpose, our purpose. And this is a statement of purpose about the Trinity, God the Father, I'm adding the pieces, but God the Father has raised this Jesus, the Son, to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Jesus is exalted to the right hand of God, and he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, the Comforter, and poured it back out as what you now see and hear. And this is actually a sermon of Peter, and he's explaining that what God just did when he laid out people was not a magic trick, but it was the Spirit of God infecting what was the earliest church and what the, the, uh, the outpouring of the Spirit caused looked, in that case, like they were drunk and Peter is describing to those who are calling him drunk, it's only the third hour of the day. I don't know about you, but this isn't the south, and so we don't start drinking before at least noon. Anyway, but he lays them out, and the Spirit of God covers and washes them, and that blessing of the Spirit causes a revolution that is not a rebellion, but it is what we as sons and daughters of Christ today get a chance to walk into and be a part of. So to close, life is by the Spirit, through the Son, to the Father. All of life, our salvation, walking in the light, where our joy is full and where it is found is based in the relationship of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Church, (laughs) fellowship. Um, Thank you for being just that for being and because of who you are from you flows living water. John four, woman at the well, Jesus promises one thing to her. It lights her up. She tells her entire town and they all come to see the gospel is living water and it flows through you and it is not meant, you're not meant to be a reservoir. Some of you know where I'm going. You're meant to be a conduit.